Good job, Mackenzie. Good morning. Part two. It's good to see you today, and it's good to see the sunshine. I heard we had like, well, I didn't just hear, because I live here. Um, I heard we had like 28 days of straight rain, and it feels like it. <laughs> Some of you laughed. That was, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but man, this, uh, it, does, it definitely on the stage feels like Miami or something, because it's like, instead of the sun, I can just look at the light, so I kind of enjoy it. Um, woohoo! But it's good to see you. What a great service so far, just to be in God's presence. There's no place I'd rather be. Amen. Well, I get to share uh, this morning, and uh, just so excited for just how God's kind of leading us. Um, and I want to start off, um, the title of my message is called Building a Dynasty. And um, as a football coach and a football fan, you can't let Super Bowl Sunday go by without talking about building a dynasty, right? Rather, uh, rather you're excited about the football game or not, um, if I'm being honest, I really don't care who wins, but what I really want is I really want the 49ers to lose. Um, and I really, if you follow football, I really want to hear the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs speak over a loudspeaker because he has the craziest voice I've ever heard. He sounds like a southern version of Kermit the Frog. And so a Cajun Kermie, I call him. Um, and so I'm just, I want to hear him speak over a loudspeaker, to be honest. And so <laughs> that's, uh, that's who I'm rooting for. Um, but I want to talk about dynasty. The word dynasty, if you're, if you're not familiar with it, the word is defined as this. It's defined as a group or a family that dominates, sounds pretty good, that dominates in a particular field for generations, right? So there's some keys here. It's not someone that just dominates, but it's someone that dominates for generations, Okay, it goes on and it says, um, nowadays the sense of dynasty is often applied to a sports franchise who has a prolonged run of successful seasons. So there's a few key, key words, right? One would be prolonged, right? One, one would be um, dominates for generations. It goes on and it says a powerful group or family that maintains its position for a considerable time. So a few key words, maintains and considerable time, right? It's something that isn't here today and gone tomorrow, okay? In the sports world or in life, how many of you know sometimes it is very easily to do good, right? Like I can have a good, good week at the gym or a good workout at the gym, <laughs> singular, but it's another thing to win over and over and over and over again, right? It's one thing to be successful for a time, but to be successful for a prolonged time, that takes a little bit of skill. You hear what I'm saying? It takes a little bit of skill. Um, they say in the football world that really anyone could get to the Super Bowl, 
but it takes a lot to get to there again, and it takes a lot to win, right? And, and barring like a power outage, someone is going to win um, today. So just in a fleshly, um, just natural vein this morning, you know, I was finding myself thinking about dynasties. And uh, several weeks ago, my wife and I were watching on Saturday an NFL football playoff game, and we were watching the New England Patriots play. I'm glad I didn't get any cheers, okay? The Pats. So I'm watching the Patriots play, and they are, when you think of dynasty in football, they are the epitome of a dynasty. They have won six Super Bowls, and we're not going to talk about one of their wins um, because we should have run the ball, but... But I'm finding myself, and I am so sick of Super Bowls with the Patriots in it. Anyone else there? Well, good news. We don't have to watch them today. But I found myself, my wife goes, who do you want to win? And I'm thinking, you know what? I kind of want the Patriots to win. And the reason why is because I know that dynasties don't last forever. Right, And at some point, they are not going to win, and it's probably going to take a long time for them to win again. So I found myself almost like, why am I rooting for them? Because I really don't, don't like them. But I was like, man, I don't want to see that dynasty end. Because I know how difficult it is to win over and over and over again. Um, and here's the thing about dynasties. Dynasties don't win but they are thinking about winning in five years. They're thinking about winning in eight years. They're thinking about the things and the structure that they have in their organization. Again, right now we're just talking physical sports. They have something built into their organization that guarantees a winning formula for five, ten years down the road. And their whole culture is centered around that goal of building a successful team. So this morning in Maple Valley, Washington, there is a dynasty that God wants to build in you. And there is a dynasty that God wants to build in my life, and it's called the kingdom of God. Okay, And there's this kingdom of God that is inside of us that if we apprehend, as the Bible says, apprehend that kingdom, it will cause us to live a victorious life in every season, okay? Every season, not just for a season when the sun is shining and things are good and you're in a good mood, but if you can learn how to build the kingdom of God in your life and in my life, you will bear fruit even in the middle of winter, and that's God's desire for you today. And so we're going to talk about building a dynasty. If I were to have a more spiritual title, it would be called Sustaining an Encounter. Okay, Sustaining an Encounter. You know, last week, if you weren't here, I encourage you to get on there and listen to the messages. I believe Pastor Dave Easterly just brought an incredible word for us. But he talked about seasons. 
Okay, and I believe that God is a God of seasons and that God has a purpose for every season that we go through, whether we want to embrace that season or not. That's a different story. But there is a purpose for every season. And, and I began as I was sitting here last Sunday and just thinking about uh, just some of the, the things that Pastor Dave talked about. And then hearing, um, I, I left church and I was sitting, I beat my family home on a Sunday, which I never do that. Um, and my wife texted me a picture, and it was a news caption that said, Kobe Bryant was killed in a helicopter accident, right? And I began to then research and, 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 and hear, and, and many of you have heard, and if you haven't heard, um, you know, he and eight others were killed in this helicopter accident. And I began to think of my own life, and I have never met Kobe Bryant I'm not really even a basketball fan, other, unless it's like 10-year-olds. I like watching my 10-year-old play. But I began to think about how my life was being affected by the death of this superstar. And I watched at Ferelli's Pizza on Friday night as 30-something thousand people gathered before a basketball game, and the song Amazing Grace went out. And I forget who sings it. Maybe it was... Usher, yeah, by Usher, my, my boy. Uh, by Usher, of all people. And I thought, may the spirit that is in that song capture the hearts of people. I began to, to think about some of the other examples of, of um, Kanye West leading people in worship. Who would have thunk? <laughs> I began to think about the 60,000 young people gathered in Atlanta, Georgia. I began to think about what's going on in Brazil and what's going on in Argentina and what's going on in here and there. And I began to have the thought to say, that is really cool, God. But I'm not satisfied seeing it happen in Georgia and L.A. and Brazil and not happen in this place, and not happen in this place, and not happen in South King County, and not happen in Washington, the second most independent state in the union. I began to say, God, that is great. God, thank you. Let it be done in me. If you could do it anywhere, God, would you do it right here? Amen? Would you do it right here? I'm grateful, oh God, but would you do it right here? You know, all throughout the Bible, we see people that had encounters with God. And God's uh, desire to encounter you isn't just to give you a cool experience, right? Like, yeah, I believe this weekend our sons and daughters are going to have an encounter with God as they're playing in the snow and, and going away for winter camp. But God's desire to encounter his people is so that they would have a change of heart and a change of life that would stay with us for the rest of our lives, okay? God is not interested in just encountering us to say, oh, that was really cool, Right? And, and it is really cool. But he wants to change the direction and he wants to open our eyes to the favorable future that he has for us so that encounter does not wear off. 
You know, a lot of times I, I go to pastor's conferences and in our leadership meetings, we're always talking about um, how the church continues to advance God's kingdom regardless of what's going on around us, right? You're thinking, wow, I thought you just talked about people the whole time. No, not, not really. We, we talk about God's kingdom. And it's thinking about some of the, the different um, strongholds and the different challenges that we face today. And I think out of all the things that, as a leader that, I, that I'm faced with every day as I'm praying, as I say, God, how can the things that I'm doing today, how can I see those things be effective in people's lives for all of eternity? So it's not just a fad that we're doing today, but how can I see those things ring true in their family so that they raise their kids differently? Ring true in their marriage so that they have different marriages, right? In all the things we do, I love youth programs. I love small groups. I love all those things. But in all the activity that we find ourselves doing as Christians, I find myself asking, what is the goal and where are we leading people down the road of discipleship in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Okay, Is what we're doing really causing them to grow in their relationship with Jesus? And here's the answer. Sometimes yes. Sometimes uh, maybe, <laughs> or maybe not, right? And I think that this struggle is not anything new, right? If you read your Bible, if you read, um, and I love to read the epistles because it's the early church. I love to see how church leaders handled their churches because I want to say, God, give me keys to lead a church today. And so this is the same struggle they had and I think the struggle was these people had an experience with Jesus. They had an encounter with him, and it was good, and it was exciting. How many of you have experienced those moments in your life before you're just so excited for what God's doing? Have you been there? Like, I have too. And Paul, as he was writing to the Galatian church, they had this experience, but that experience wears off. And Paul finds himself trying to lead a people who have reverted back. So they're no longer being changed by the gospel message, but they are now trying to be changed by their rules, their laws, their opinion, their religious duties. And let me tell you, all of those things are not bad things. Rules are not bad things. They can be, right? Religious duty is not a bad thing. Like, there is something to be said for just showing up and being faithful. All right, amen, that's like, that's like my bread and butter, man. I'm just gonna show up time and time again. There is something to be said. There, all opinion is not bad. Okay, some might be. But that is not what sustains an encounter with God. It is not our law. It is not our opinion, and it is not the duties that we find ourselves doing that is going to truly sustain us. Listen, whenever we bring the foundation of Jesus, the foundation of the gospel, down to rules and opinion, we will bring the power of Jesus or the power of the gospel. And if you read your Bible, you know what the power is, right? It's the ability to change. So whenever we bring the foundation of Jesus 
down to rules and opinion, we will bring the power of the gospel down to natural understanding, willpower, and calculated formulas. And listen, calculated formulas don't always translate into real life. So, I want to talk about the makeup of a good team, the makeup of a dynasty, because there is a dynasty that God wants to build in your life. And so three things this morning. Number one, if you are going to build a spiritual dynasty in your life, or I'll say it this way, if you say, God, I want to turn to you, as many of us just did, and you want to continually turn to him for all the days of your life, number one, you have to believe that what you are a part of is truly unstoppable. Do, and I'm not talking about you, right? Because I think we can look at our own you know, humanity and say we are not unstoppable. We are pretty weak and it doesn't take a whole lot for us to get you know, kind of off kilter, right? But do you truly believe that what you are a part of is unstoppable? Listen, I was watching a documentary the other night and it was on one of the greatest, almost, sports dynasties of all times. <laughs> almost. And it was the 1990s, early 90s, Buffalo Bills football team. I, I was a fan in the 90s. And they made this comment. They said, well, how, how did you guys know you were special? And they said, when we walked on the field, we knew that no one can stop our offense. And we knew that no one could get past our defense. They may start off strong, but we knew. Give us 60 minutes and we would beat them. We knew we were unstoppable. We knew that there was nothing people could do to stop us. So do you believe in your heart today that what you are a part of is unstoppable? Okay, Christmas is only 11 and a half months away. <laughs> and I was reading in Isaiah 9, and this is a prophecy about Jesus. Hundreds of years before Jesus comes on the scene, and it says there shall be no end to the increase of his government. There will be no end to the increase of his peace. He shall rule on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness from that time forward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Listen. Hundreds of years before Jesus came on the scene, there was a prophecy that said that his kingdom will have no end. Listen, that is not just talking about eternity. That is talking about our own lives. Okay, Luke goes on right before Jesus was born, and it says it this way, that he will reign as the king of Israel forever, and his reign will have no limits. Listen, the kingdom of God will last forever and the kingdom of God will not be stopped. It will have no limits to it. And listen, this is not just an eternal thing. Oh, when I'm in heaven, 
It's going to be good. No, the kingdom of God is inside of you today, and there are truths, and there are ideas, and there are things that God wants to fill your life with so that nothing on this earth will be impossible for you to accomplish if you have the kingdom of God living inside of you. Okay, here's the reality this morning, and I wish it wasn't. In an ideal world, that we've put limits on our lives and we've put limits on what the kingdom of God will do and how effective the kingdom of God will be in us. Okay, that's the reality this morning. As I can read these scriptures, but the reality is we all put limits on our lives. And my question today is what do your limits look like? Okay, are there areas in your life that you've assumed that God cannot use? Think about it. Are there areas in your life and are there areas in my life that I've assumed that God can't change? Because the Bible says that the kingdom of God will have no limits. And so if the kingdom of God is inside of you, are there anything that God can't do in you? Is there anything that he can't do through you? Are there areas in your life where you have said, I will probably always struggle with this? Right, now we're getting real, right? But think about it. Are there areas that you've said it's probably just going to be a struggle forever? Because I want to challenge you today to believe that you are part of something that cannot be stopped. The second limit that I think we put on ourselves is Much like the first, are there areas or are there people that you have assumed that are beyond God's reach or beyond God's touch? Come on, think about it in your mind. Who is the most ungodly person that you can think of? Don't say it out loud, especially if, like, you know, you're married to them. (laughs) Hey, that could be awkward. (laughs) Really awkward. My wife's thinking, yeah, it could be awkward. (laughs) But are there areas or people that you've assumed that are beyond God's touch or reach? If that person that is so ungodly, if they were to turn their heart to the Lord today, would you believe it? Right? What limits have we put on God? The Bible in Matthew 11, it talks about the, the kingdom is advancing, Right? The kingdom is advancing, and God's kingdom is advancing. And in Matthew 11, verse 12, it says it this way. It says, from the moment that John stepped onto the scene until today, until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting, bursting forth. And passionate people have taken hold of its power. Listen, God's kingdom is advancing, and those who want to apprehend his kingdom, are going to have to be passionate about grabbing it. Okay, in context, what they're saying is, back in the day, John the Baptist comes on the scene, and he's like, you know, healing people and baptizing people, and crazy things are happening, and then Jesus comes, and he's like opening blind eyes, and people are flocking to be a part of what Jesus is doing. They are, they are, I got to see the miracle. I got to be part of it. I have a need in my own heart. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go. And that's what that scripture is talking about. It said that they would follow him and they would press in because they couldn't get enough of the gospel. 
I'm probably not there all the time. But I want to be. Right? You're probably not there all the time. But do you want to be? Will you look at the kingdom through the eyes of faith this morning? Past your circumstances because God's kingdom is unstoppable. Number two, because I got to keep moving. Number two, to build a dynasty in your life. Number two, you, there has to be a buy-in to the culture of the team that you're a part of. Okay, wasn't that the same as one? No, because it's one thing to recognize, oh man, we got a good team. <laughs> it's another thing to buy into the reason why you have a good team. Okay, culture. That's a big word. That's, you, you know, you want to be popular in the church world to talk about culture, right? Hey, I, we got a cool culture, right? We got a cool community, these buzzwords, right? But a culture is this. Culture is the way that you become great. Or the, I would say, off my number one point, the way you become unstoppable. Because there is probably a few different ways to get to the end result. But culture dictates the way that you get there. Okay, it's talking about a buy-in, as we did earlier this morning. There is a buy-in that says, God, I will turn to you. Okay, we just did that. And we didn't even talk about it, Mackenzie. That's pretty cool, right? But a culture is a belief in the product so much that it changes the way that you do your life. Right? Have you ever met someone and they say, I'm not only the president, I'm also a client, right? The hair, the hair thing, Right? There is a buy-in that says, I so believe in how we're doing that that I'm going to allow it to change everything about me. Okay, so Paul is writing to the church in, of Galatia, right, who've been touched by the gospel, right, who've been encountered by Jesus, who've been changed, but they had a snag in their beliefs. Right? And somewhere down the line, they went from being passionate about God to start trying to experience that encounter from rules, regulations. And here's the thing. They almost became numb again to the real gospel. Their culture had reverted back to the culture that they had once left. In Galatians 4, uh, verse 19, this is Paul writing. He says this to them. He says, my little children, right, don't be offended, my little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. He's writing to them who've experienced Jesus. He says, my little children, I labor in birth again, until Christ is formed in you. The message says, until Christ's life becomes visible in your life. If we are going to embrace the culture of the kingdom, then we need to allow Christ to continue to form us into his image. My question is, is the nature of the kingdom still wooing you? Okay, the word formed is an action word, right? It is active. It is something that is gaining. It is something that is growing. 
Is the nature of Christ still gaining and still growing in your heart? Okay, and that's, a, that's like a, you know, don't have to answer out loud again. Maybe awkward. Um, but if I continually go back to my initial experience with Christ when I was 14, and that is the basis of my being formed into his image, I probably missed it. Is Christ actively being formed in my life? Is Christ actively being formed in my life? Listen, so what are, what are the natural results? How do we know that Christ is being formed in your life? Well, I think the scripture just said it becomes visible. My 12-year-old is so awesome. I love my son, Daniel. He's great. He comes up to me and goes, hey, Dad, I don't know if you could tell, but my muscles are getting bigger. Right? You will know you are being formed in your life when it becomes visible to others other than yourself. Right? It's one thing to recognize your own forming. It's another thing for your wife to ec- uh, recognize that you are being formed into his image. It's another thing for your neighbors and your boss to recognize. Listen, a natural result of Christ being formed in you is that it becomes visible. Part of being a part of a winning culture is it's not just about you. It becomes about others who are with you. Our Seattle Seahawks and our head coach, Pete Carroll, they are known for taking players that need a second chance, that screwed up morally, that screwed up with drugs. They are known for being the hotbed of taking the rejects that couldn't be successful anywhere else and making them successful. Why? Because the culture around them is stronger than the weakness inside of that individual. And so the players know he may be weak, but we so believe in the culture, the process, that we know if you give it time, Things are going to change in their hearts. And so they're not afraid. And here's what I know. As a church, I want to have a reputation. That means to be known. I want to be known for being a place that accepts those who may be weak, knowing that the power of the kingdom culture is more powerful than any sin, addiction, or setback that they may be dealing with. Because I believe in that culture. I believe that if you just allow Christ to form your life, you will change. And can I just tell you this morning, whether this is your first time here or whether you've been here for 50 years, there is a need for those who are new to the Lord, who are young in the Lord. There is a need for those, for others to come around them and say, I'm going to help labor with you to see Christ being formed in your heart. There is a need this morning, generational hope. There is a need. Listen, my opinion will not cause them to be formed into Christ. Me telling them that they're wrong will not form them. But me walking with them, showing them the truth, will allow Christ to be formed in them. Number three, you want to build a dynasty 
in your life. You want to sustain an encounter with God. Dynasties have the ability to always get younger. I'm not talking against, you know, old people this morning. If you're older, God bless you. Thank you. But what I'm talking about is they're thinking, if they're building a dynasty, they are always thinking about the next wave, the next move, the next piece that will be paramount into building the next chapter. Listen, good football franchises are not waiting for their quarterback to retire to come up with a plan B. Right? They are thinking ahead. Spiritually speaking, Again, I wish it wasn't true, but the longer that we have been around something, the easier it is for us to get familiar, complacent, and in a routine where we're no longer believing and seeing with eyes of faith, but we are believing and seeing with eyes of reason. Okay, I wish it weren't true. Well, what's, what do you mean? How do, what do you mean get younger? Because, you know, it's not like drinking a potion or anything like that. But what do I mean when I say get younger? Matthew 18 says it this way. Jesus is talking. And he says, he called the little children to him. He placed the child among them. And he said, truly, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like these little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes this position of the child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Listen, that does not mean acting childish. It has everything to do with your approach to your heavenly father. Do you come to God believing in faith? Do you come to him saying, God, if you said it, I'm going to believe it. Not, God, if you said it, it must be the pizza. No, if you said it, God, I'm going to believe it. Listen, it is not just believing, but it is a receiving. Listen, there, if God says something, you, it's one thing to believe it, but how many of you have, know there's a difference between believing something and receiving something? Because I know people, I can believe God for healing in their life, but if I need healing in my life, it is hard for me to receive that healing that God has for me. So when I say get younger, I'm saying, do you have fresh eyes of faith to believe and to receive and then to walk forward with what God has spoken over your life? I was praying a couple weeks ago and and God said, Justin, the things that I want to do in your life, the things that I want to do in your church, you have to have faith in order to believe it. And that's like, oh, well, that, that, that's, that's original. No, he said, because you will not be able to wrap your natural mind around those things. And I said, God, I receive it. But God, I'm going to proceed in it, right? I'm going to step forward in that thing. Worship team, would you guys come? Listen. The longer I walk with God, the more difficult it is for me to see with true eyes of faith. Because I get cynical, because I get all these things, and it causes me to try to reason away why things aren't happening the way I think they should happen. Would you stand up with me this morning?
because I, I believe this, as I was, and you guys can just play, um, as, I, as I was praying and just thinking about uh, the message last week and, and, and just knowing what God's put in my heart for this next year, you know, I believe God would really want to have us look inward to your own heart this morning, to really look at the things that God is speaking to you and to your family, and to really be challenged to receive those things like a child, like with eyes of faith, not being able to make sense of it, not being able to add it up, but being able to say, God, if you said it, then I know that you're going to do it. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm going to walk forward in this thing. So today, as we get ready to leave this morning, the two points of action is, number one, is Christ actively being formed in you? Okay? Is he... His nature, his character, his heart, is it growing in your life? And number two, who are you laboring over to see Christ formed in them? Right? Who are you laboring? Like Paul with the Galatian church. He said, I'm laboring. Right? That speaks of pain. That speaks of carrying a burden. And I felt like God said, there are some burdens that God is asking some of the mature believers in this body to carry, to see others' lives and to see Christ being formed in them. But can I tell you, it's going to feel like work. Right? It's going to feel like painful. Right? Seeing someone grow from immaturity to maturity can be painful. How do I know? Ask the people that walked with me. Justin, are you serious? You're doing that again? You're thinking that again? <sighs> Who are you laboring over to see Christ formed in them? Because listen, the deposits that God wants to do in your heart today the deposits that God wants to do in your family this year are deposits that he desires to see stay with you for the rest of your days. There is a kingdom of God. There is a dynasty that he wants to build inside of you. Will you receive that today? Let's pray. Come on, open your hearts to God today. Let's pray. Because I believe as we responded, and that was a, would have been a great response for the end of the service as well. But let's pray. God, all over this place, Father, we open our hearts to you. Father, we know, God, that you desire to see sustaining encounters rise up all, all around this place. Father, that you desire to encounter us, but you desire to encounter us so that we would live our lives differently forever. So, Father, I pray over us. God, as we turn to you, Father, I pray, God, that we would be more, more formed by you. Father, would you continue to form us? Father, would you continue to rid us, rid us of the attitudes and the things that are keeping your kingdom from advancing in our life? Father, I pray for those that have been a part of this church for a long time, and myself included. Father, that we would continue, God, and have fresh eyes to see God, the people around us that you're calling us to labor with. 
Father, I ask, God, that you would do a deep work in our hearts. Father, I ask, God, that when you speak to us, that our first response would be a response of faith. Father, help us to believe with eyes of faith. Help us to see with eyes of faith. Father, forgive us for where we've tried to reason things away. Father, I thank you that the culture of your kingdom is stronger than any sin, than any addiction, and anything that anyone may be dealing with this morning. Father, would we, would we be so inundated with your culture, God, that, that those things, those other things, those addictions would just be broken in your name. Father, we just posture ourselves today. Father, we posture ourselves as a church to be a church that sees sustained moves of your kingdom. God, over these next few months as we are, are kicking off, talking about what does it mean to grow? What does it mean to be discipled? What does it mean to see others come alongside us? Father, would you just give us your grace? Father, we continually turn to you. Father, believing for a time of refreshing and a season of refreshing and encounters with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. We're not going to sing this morning. God bless you. Let's go out of here believing in the kingdom that God wants to build in our lives. You are released.